Welcome to Electronically Yours with Martin Ware. Hi, it's Martin here. Electronically Yours, as usual. I've just had the best conversation with my old mate, um, John McClure, the Reverend from Reverend and the Makers, fellow Wednesdayite, fellow uh, socialist, great all-round dude, uh, and a very, very good and underrated musician, I think. In, in, the, in the panoply of stars in, in the Sheffield scene, he deserves much more prominence, I think. Overshadowed a bit by things like Arctic Monkeys, etc., and, and uh, Richard Hawley, who I've also interviewed on this podcast. But, you know, his songwriting is excellent. And he's uh, it, got a damn good voice as well. In fact, just overall, I love uh, Reverend and the Makers. I think they're excellent. But he's broader than that, as, he, as we discuss in this, uh, in this conversation. It's important to regard yourself as an artist, and then as an artist, you, you look at your own work through that lens, and you, it's like a kind of, you control the quality of what comes out. But it also allows you to do other things. You know, he does things like house gigs and acoustic gigs. He does club nights. He does lots of collaborations. He's not so, he's, he's simultaneously very confident but also he's got a humility about him, which means that they don't mind doing big support acts, you know, for people like Arctic Monkeys, of course, Oasis. Uh, they've toured and their live work is amazing. Um, and um, their albums are very successful and he seems very happy and sorted at the moment. I'm very glad to see it. And, you know, he's been on the telly. Um, you know, I think he's even done things like Question Time and stuff. And yeah, so on many, many levels, he feels like family to me. And uh, so I was very happy to get him on the podcast. And here is a great discussion. I think you'll find it amusing. The very great John McClure. Hello, mate. How are you? I'm good, mate. Thank you for doing this. Oh, no worries, man. You look well, Martin. Uh, well, you know, I had no option but to shave it all off, so fuck it. Yeah, it's a, it's a good look, mate. You look a little bit Brian Eno. Oh, thank you. No, I was going more for, like, Dr. Evil, really, I suppose. Yeah, do that. <laughs> so, um, how has... Um, oh, let's get the unpleasantness out of the way. How has COVID treated you? It's been all right, actually. You know what? It's weirdly, I've, I've been very busy. I've been sort of writing and producing bits for other people. Um, I'm writing a new Rev album. Uh, got a new record deal. So in that, in a professional capacity, it's been great. Uh, I went up, managed to, during that little uh, little window we had, I did a little, little bit of a two-month trip to Ireland recording over there, which were good. So it's been all right in that respect, but... <clears throat> just missed playing i know like yeah. like yourselves you know we, we love to play live and it, you you miss it don't you and you know you wonder can i still do it can i will i know what to say or what to do with my hands and all that kind of stuff like you know but it's <laughs> oh. been all right mate it's been all right a lot, a lot better than it has been for most people yeah, you yeah. Know? So, no not for most people but for a lot of people i think it's been difficult right so i'm, I'm very fortunate and i should uh i should remember that i think I think so too. I mean, um, 
I lost my brother during, uh, well, last December to COVID. I'm sorry to hear that. I know, it, it was really tough. And uh, particularly because you couldn't really, uh, do, you know, they only allowed 20 people at the funeral. You couldn't have a, oh. a, a wake afterwards. Uh, and just, it's, oh, it's like, it feels like unresolved business a little bit, to be honest. Were you living up here, your brother Martin? Were you yeah, in Sheffield? Yeah. yeah, yeah, never left Sheffield. Oh, and, mate, uh, I don't know what to say. That's, that's horrendous, mate. I'm so sorry. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's not been great for me, I have to say. But we're coming out the other end now. And uh, I finally made it to the penthouse, mate. Here I am. Yeah. I've downsized from my house in Primrose Hill to a penthouse apartment. In Marylebone Lane in London, which is mate, that looks amazing. I, know. I, was just, I was just looking out your window. It looks, it's, I mean, the penthouse is very, uh, it's very you, right? That's, the, <laughs> that's, that's you, that's, mate, isn't it? You I am I mean? a fucking champagne socialist. Hey, listen, officially, you're all right, mate. <laughs> listen, you've, you've, you've never forgot your roots, mate. Yeah, that's I, what matters. I haven't, I haven't. Um, so let's start at the start. Did you have any musical training when you were growing up? None at all. I went to uh, Grenaside Primary School and uh, they did a test where the Mrs Higgins played a load of notes on a tape recorder, <laughs> cassette recorder, and she says, "Is that note higher or lower than last note?" <laughs> so we we did this, and whoever whoever got most marks, there were three slots available for thirty kids to learn guitar or, or recorder. You could choose, uh, and I didn't get I didn't get to be one at three, so I never got no. Uh, Never got no lessons. They used to do the free lessons for three kids out of 30. Um, I never got no lessons and therefore had absolutely zero musical capacity, really. Um, <laughs> yeah, proper Luddite, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I never had a single music lesson in my life and I can't, still can't really play very well. Well, listen, we, we are blowing smoke up your arse. That's what I always loved about you lot and... and cabs and them kind of bands is you didn't need to be musical it yeah. weren't that weren't the point of it and i think like i think some of that comes from punk right a little yeah. bit even before you guys like i think that i like that i like that you don't have to be a musician to be a musician kind of thing i think that's you know yeah and uh well that's what i keep telling me said anyway <laughs> <laughs> i was talking to uh no not talking to i was listening to uh the radio series the mighty boost the original series yeah okay. and uh, there was a line that made me laugh yesterday i thought it was quite uh, appropriate for me it was arguing with howard moon and saying look we've got to put this uh, we've got to put this gig on don't you understand now it's nothing to do with whether whether you can play music or not. it's what you look like and <laughs> that's kind of not what we thought but uh you know we were approaching it from a kind of uh, have a go perspective, you know, and I think that's quite Yeah, I think I think that's I think that's great. I think I think like I, I I always liked the idea of being in a band despite having no discernible talent for doing so. You know what I mean? <laughs> Rubbish. I think like, yeah, I, I it was weird though. When I were a kid, a lot of my my all my mum's family, my mum and dad both used to work shifts. Yeah. My dad would work in day, my mum would work at night. So I used to go to my aunties at Upperthorpe, so I spent a lot of my youth in Upperthorpe. And That's where I was born, you know. 
I'm, I've told you this before, but I'm sure our family claims a fame with that somebody in our family once bought a pram off somebody in your family or something. That was like best thing whatever happened to our family. Like, oh yeah, we've got Martin Ware or <laughs> your sister, Martin, or someone who's related to you distantly's pram. Martin Ware's electronic pram. That there we are. That's a that's a psychedelic band if I've ever heard one. Um, Upperthorpe, yeah, I used to live on Hope Street off uh, Western Street, which can't be. Yeah, right. So all my family lived on on sort of flats on Masonettes, on Addy Street, Oxford Street, on Kelvin, and then on that, like, estate where all houses the Red, Springvale Estate. Oh, I know it. Um, yeah, yeah. And obviously there's a there's a, there's a big, oh, there was, with Eden Cathy and all that, a big Jamaican community, right? So I grew up listening to reggae music. That was the music we liked because that's what everybody were into. Um, and I used to find that music were the sort of, that was the one thing that would bring all different communities together, that kind of music. And so up to being about 12, 13, that, that's what I were into, eh? You know, which is sounds a bit weird, doesn't it, to be into that, I guess, as a, a lot cool. of but I think it's cool. Yeah. I always used to try to explain to people that the, the, the kind of racial tensions weren't a thing in Sheffield when I was growing up. The, it was, it was I used to go, well, as soon as I could, uh, as a teenager, I used to go to the blues clubs in Broomall, Oh, did you? Nice. Oh, yeah. That was fucking great. A fiver to get in and a free split. And uh, yeah, uh, those are the days. And but you know, the, so like Caribbean music uh, and dub and all that stuff was very much part of my upbringing as well. And if you listen to the cabs and people like that, it's a load of dub in there, isn't there? And well, I think they went didn't didn't. Didn't Kirk end up going and working with Adrian Sherwood, didn't he, and all that on you sound crew? After yeah. That? So he's, he's, yeah, there's, there is a lot of, it's funny, it's funny, I've got a, somebody bought me uh, the Cabaret Voltaire vinyl, dental, is it like the basement tapes or something they call it, or the yeah. loft tape. I've got it here, I've, I've not listened to it yet, somebody bought it me up here, and um guy who bought it me was saying, he says, it's it's weird, it's, it sounds like dub music in, in certain places. Um, but I guess that again goes back to what you were saying about you. Like you know, you, you're just messing around, not really knowing what you're doing. Are you? I guess at that point. No. So, what were your first? Uh, what was your first band? Because I know Re- uh, Reverend of the Makers came out of the blue about the not far off the same time as the Arctic Monkeys. And yeah, so we were we were part of a scene. We we had a band called Judance. So, so go through it. I got into Britpop, I guess for want of a better term, and that sort of made me think, hang on, I could be in a band, because yeah. like, look at these dickheads, I could do that. You know what I mean? So that happened, and I, were, I was the age that I was, I was really into that, right? But then I would always love that sort of free, I always loved Massive Attack and, and yeah. Soul to Soul, and then bands who, you couldn't classify them as Britpop, but they were part of that thing, right? Yeah. Um and then I got into wanting to make music around the time I were at uni. I went to uni after school. Um, you posh bastard. I, well, you said that. I should have left Sheffield and I had a girlfriend. And um, I were working. I worked in this steel factory on Rockingham Street. And I were naughty at school. And then I decided to write, I'm going to try right hard at A-level, right? So I proper knuckled into it. And I, really, I, I got straight A's at A-level, wow. right? Which... I know the GCSEs aren't very good, but because I tried hard, in, in, yeah. and I got like offers from Oxford and all sorts, and because oh. I were a bit of a because I were a bit of a class warrior, I thought to myself, I can't go to Oxford. Not me, I can't go to Oxford. So I stayed at Sheffield, which, in hindsight, were a good and a bad decision because the band started as a result of that. Right. But in in hindsight, you think I could have done what I wanted, eh? You know, 
Um, so I stayed in Sheffield, started being in bands with my school friend, Ed, um, Ed Cousins, and we had a band called Judan Suki. Um, he were into karate at times, so I think that's a karate move. <laughs> and in this band, they were, they were eight of us, right? So there's loads of us in, revolving cast of idiots. We were terrible, it's worth remembering. Uh, my wife, who I'm mar- uh, obviously I'm, I'm married to now, she were in it. We worked together at the time. My cousin Cheryl were in it. Um, me, I always liked bands. There were a great tradition in Sheffield, as you know, of having girls in your band, yeah. right? And and I always liked having that. But I've never been, I've never been in a band apart from one that were all fellas, right? So there were eight of us, and in this band were Alex Turner from Arctic Monkeys, Matt Elders from Arctic Monkeys, um, and that sort of ended. And then we had a band called 1984, and at this point I'm at uni, right? So I'm into social realism, and I'm, I think I'm into I'm getting into music what I consider to be cooler than Oasis, where I've come from, and Stone Roses, right? So by now I'm into like Wire and Gang of Four, yeah, and yeah. post-punk, post-punk made a little bit of a resurgence after turn of century there were a bit of a thing where there were all these bands coming out that were doing that sort of ESG kind of thing right so we got into that we had a band called 1984 they went off and done Arctic Monkeys eventually I've done Reverend because I wanted to I think that sounds really sort of arrogant but I didn't want to be in a band I wanted to be the, be a sort of dictator really I wanted, you to, wanted be like, to be a rock star let's face it that's it I think of myself as Plato's benign dictator. You know what I mean? I, I, like, I, you know, I'm in, I'm in charge, but I don't think I'm a bad guy. You know what I mean? So, so the makers thing, that. the makers thing is a Sheffield term, isn't it? Uh, really? Yeah, it's a it's it's a twofold thing. So there's obviously the steel connection, yeah. right? And then in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Gene Wilder says, "We are the music makers. We are the dreamers of dreams." You know, there's a, there's a bit in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory when they're licking the wall. Yeah, he's got like a sort of Strawberry wall and they're all licking it. And we, me and old drummer were like absolutely out of his mind ones in his flat on Brockerbank. And we're like, yeah, that's it. Cause like the makers and steel. And then, <laughs> yeah, we've got, I know, I, I guess somewhere at the back of my mind, I wanted a band name that sounded like Sly and the Family Stone, oh, Bob and the Wheelers. Right. Cause then I want, there's, they're two of my favorite bands, right? Bob Marley and the Wheelers, Sly and yeah, the Family Stone. Yeah. And I always liked that kind of, you know, something and the somethings. I think that's a, a great device in, in band names. So, yeah. yeah, the Reverend is a, is a Andy Nicholson, the old bass player from the Monkeys, he used to say, you're always banging on you, John. I said, you, you're full of it. He says, uh, you're like a preacher, man. You're like a reverend. You're like a reverend. And it just stuck, right? He just started calling it me. And then a few people started calling me. I thought, well, I might as well lean into it rather than try and, I you know, when people, that. you know, you know that one at school when you call someone a nickname and they don't like it? Yeah. And they try and... They used to call me Dopey, right? Who's Dopey now? You know what I mean? <laughs> and, and, and even teachers even teachers used to call me Dopey. I went to Notre Dame uh, and teachers called it, which is wicked when you look back, isn't it? Um, and I used Still to run away valid. from that one. I'd sue the fuck. But do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah it did. Oh, genuinely. We, I mean, I, I loved going to school. I did. But it did it did upset me for a bit because it's not a very like complimentary nickname, is it, Dopey? Ah, but um, did it spur you on to do what you did? That's what you're going to think about. It's interesting. A little bit, a little bit, yeah. Because I, I thought uh, it's, uh, during sort of GCSE years, they were probably right, and then I had a sort of like um, 
it's going to sound super cheesy, this, but I had like a bit of an epiphany. There were a teacher called Mr. O'Connor and uh, he once got hold of me, like physically got hold of me and he says, listen, he went, you're a good lad, you. He says, but you don't pay attention. He said, and you're naughty. And he says, if you, if you applied yourself, you could do what you wanted you. I can see it in you. And I did. And he were right. And, and he, like, you look back at, life-changing moments that were one of them right wow and i think that's probably when i stopped being dopey and become john you know wised up a bit yeah a little bit yeah and thought you know what you're only you know you've got one chance to do this haven't you? If, you if you have a go at it you can do it so i took history and i truth be said i wanted to be i wanted to be just like him and uh <laughs> that's why i did history i did history for my degree because he were like you're a bit no i don't want to say me but that's the wrong word but certainly a role model and somebody who i looked up to um and then obviously, yeah, later on, become the reverend. So I'm doing history and politics at Sheffield, which probably accounts for why I'm banging on at people and telling everybody how it is, because this is the this is the time of the Iraq war we're talking about. This yeah. is 2003, right? I mean, my last year at uni, the band's just getting going. And I'm going out with an Iraqi girl who I went out with for six years. Wow. And... So at this point, I'm full of like sort of righteous anger and fury because my cousin's in Air Force and he's dropping bombs on her family yeah. in Sada City and Halar and all these places. And so when they call me the Reverend, I were, I were banging on the people. I were, I were a little bit older than some of other people in music scene. Monkeys are a few years younger than me. Right. I'm like 20 by this point. They're probably 17. You know what I mean? And I'm thinking to myself, all right, so I'm... I, when, he, when he's calling me the reverend, I were, like, I were literally banging on at people, I guess. Well, um, there are people we, like you in the world, that's all I can say. I'm, I'm the same. They get, I get told off by uh, people who listen to the podcast saying, look, we know you're a lefty, can you just let it go? And I'm going, well, no, because your political persuasions, we're all embedded into politics, whether we like it or not. You can choose to ignore it, but your decisions on a daily basis... Change ev change everybody else's life around you, particularly in the elections, of course. I don't understand how you could tell a man who's wrote like we don't need that fascist groove tank to, to not be political. <laughs> it's like, like this is a genuine point, right? You would you would think like, did you not listen to the music? Yeah. Like, what did you think the music was about? You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't. I don't understand that. I don't. Uh, to me, to me, your politics are, are, are an intrinsic part of who you are as an artist and as a human, right? Exactly. Stay with me. And, and probably, when you grow, when you grow up where we grew up, that it's part of who you are, isn't it? You know, it's that the Socialist Republic of South Yorkshire. Exactly. It's like asking you to not. I'm like incredibly. Not pr I'm incredibly proud of it personally, uh, and it really, really upset me when we came to Brexit, and I think. Sheffield narrowly voted to leave, if I remember rightly. And I just thought it was like, it was like somebody you've looked up to all your life, Sheffield. I went, what are you fucking thinking, man? Mm -hmm. Has, has mm -hmm. the penetration of, and, and that's a good word actually, penetration of all this, uh, of all this propaganda reached my beloved hometown? It really has, yeah. So, so like, my mum lives at Grenner. We, well, we lived at Stannington when I was a kid. My mum's off a, what they call ABC Street. They've knocked them down now, down near, like, um, near Ilfoot Bridge. That's what they, they were, like, sort of pre-war slums. They cleared them all off there. My mum's from there. We lived at Grenner side. And, and where my mum lives now 
he's now a Tory seat, so it encompasses Stocksbridge and Penistone, my mum's electoral seat now, right? It's a Tory seat, Mark. And, and there's there's Don Valley, which is gone, I think. And you just, like, my dominant on, Labour's got a big, they've, they've, they've fucked it, haven't they, Labour, in lots of ways, in such, such as not listening to people and all this, that, and other, and I get all of that. But the idea that, like, you know, Orgreave, the Battle of Orgreave, Orgreave's now in a Tory seat, right? And it, it breaks your heart because... Yeah, so you think you think we literally stood in street fighting these people who would consider them the enemy. My uncle, my dad's on Lakeley Street, right? And me, me, uh, my uncle's is a forklift truck driver, right? And he's a union man, and he's, he's he'd been factory. He taught other lads to drive forklifts. He's a union man, right? And has been all his life. My grandfather drove trains out at pit pit mouth. Couldn't get more left to the point of being communist. He voted a Tory last election. Why? Could he explain it? Why? Firstly, they don't see anything for them in the Labour Party. They consider the Labour Party to be... And Corbyn, who I love, I love him. As, you I know, love I, you him know as I do. Well. Yeah. I love him dearly, but they consider him to be aloof in, so, in like an ivory tower. They consider him to be theoretical. Uh, and... And it shouldn't be skimmed over. A lot of these people have bought the propaganda, right? It's yeah. just a white noise of negativity from the media. And after a bit, some of some of the mud sticks, some of the shit sticks, right? And and me, but I don't think we live in it. You might abstain in an extreme circumstance, but how can somebody from that background ever vote Tory in their life? Because. I, because I think them communities have changed and I think they quite crudely see immigration as a threat. And I think that rather than it being articulated to them, you know, listen, we need the labour supply. Look, now you're getting a labour shortage, right? Because, you you know, rather they, they, they perceive immigration as a threat and their communities have changed quickly over a number of years. And rather than that being celebrated and be a good thing and it being explained to them that communities have always changed, right? They they see it as an existential threat. And I think in in, in Boris Johnson, they saw, they see someone, and it's, it is him as a person, actually. I don't even think it's the, the Tories as a party. I think it's him as a person. They see someone who, they see someone who's a, you know, not calling me uncle a racist because I don't think he is, but a lot of these people have a, a sort of disposition towards racism and they see a fellow racist in Boris Johnson they think oh yeah you're someone who, who overtly says racist things and gets away with it you think like I do I'll vote for you you know what I mean and that that explains the Brexit thing I think it were I think I think if you could factor out racism Remain would have walked and this is the other thing the Remain campaign was atrocious it was atrocious right it was all this is what happens if you vote Brexit rather than is all the good things that'll happen if you vote Remain, you know? And I think like both the Labour Party and Remain as a campaign or whatever, they need some like people who can who can deliver the message. Because for, for one, you know, as much as I despise Boris Johnson, they see something in him, don't they? These people, they, you know, and it, it breaks my heart. Gladly, I, gonna... I would gladly hang him from a lamppost. I'm sorry, I think he's destroying not just him. I think he as a symbol. And I don't mean literally hanging from a lamppost. I mean figuratively. 
hanging from a lamppost or any of the front bench because I think they are all irredeemable cunts. And I don't think <laughs> there's there's any excuse for voting Tory under any circumstances. It's like saying, no, me neither. It's like saying, oh, there's a fire going on in the corner there. I'm just going to run into this giant blaze outside. You know, it just makes no sense to me at all. Anyway, um, I'm I, I mean, I mean, listen. I think uh, I, I, I think it's I think until all the people have all the facts all the time and you break up the media monopolies that are on the side of the political right all the time, yeah. you might as well not bother with having a democracy because because a lot of people, they haven't got the intelligence to know the difference between propaganda and reality. And I think people are being duped, yeah, quite frankly. They're being duped, yeah. Mugged off. And it's, it's sad, mate. It is. But listen, that's the job of us musicians and artists and yeah. writers and whatever else. We can, we, we've got to talk about it, right? Yeah, and also um, we need to form a new party, really, to represent working people. Anyway, uh, you can be the uh, you can be the minister for the arts, and I'm about, I, I'm about as qualified as Liz Trust to be minister to be foreign minister. So I'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh. moving. Let's move on to something a bit more cheerful. Uh, Sheffield Wednesday, right? Uh, I I don't know if it's more cheerful or not. I mean, it's hard to tell at the moment, but uh, we're both big Sheffield Wednesday fans for those podcast listeners. We'll get on to music in a minute, don't worry. Um, What's your view on the current situation? Current situation is I don't don't like the chairman. I never have really. I think he's he's the son of a rich businessman rather than the son of a successful businessman rather than being a successful businessman. I think that there, there is a weird deference amongst the fan base towards money Towards society in general, yeah. towards money. Yeah. Oh, you're rich. You must you must know what you're doing. Then. Yeah, yeah. Okay, no. really. So I think he's dreadful. Taking him to one side. Like, uh, yeah, Darren Moore. I think he's a likable fella. Um, I, I didn't renew my season ticket for the first time in like ten years, and I went to that Uddersfield uh, sort of League Cup. What were it? What cup is it? League Cup is it? Or something yeah, like yeah. that. And I went to that game, and I saw all new signings, and I was like. You know what? I've missed this. I'm gonna because bear in mind, club still owed me like two hundred quid for my old yeah. season ticket refund yeah. for a year ago, or something. Yeah, which did me in. But anyway, I saw new signings. I thought, you know what? I'm gonna lump on. I'm gonna do it because it's me. It's me. It's me. And you'll know this. It's the familial, historic passing on of the baton thing, where all my mom's family were Wednesday nights. All my family on that side. Me and my brother have always gone. I take my eldest lad Lenny now. And I'm thinking, I like, forget the football, this thing's important because what have we got? You know, you're talking about the Socialist Republic of South Yorkshire, yeah. we've got them traditions, right, yeah. our beliefs, we've got as football team. And apart, I'm not religious, Martin, never have been, never Me will neither. be. So what, so, you know, what have I got to pass on is, is these things, right? So I bought my season ticket. Me too. We look like we'd started, we look like we started well. And it's gone a bit weird last couple of games. Morecambe game didn't worry me too much because I thought we've played well but lost. The last game alarmed me because we were dreadful. Yeah. And <sighs> moreover, it's worth noting we're a we're a sizable club. The fan base is ridiculously large for how much success we've enjoyed. You got kids who are 23, 24, 25 now who can't remember as being any good. Yeah, that's um, my son. Which, 
<laughs> he Arnold, watches Arnold every Shaw, game. On, Shaw, sorry, he's 23. He's he's uh, he's watches every game, uh, you know, religiously, and I follow. Uh, you know, he he keeps saying to me, "Dad, I've never seen this be any good, ever." Bless him, bless him. Yeah, it's it's a, it's such a weird thing, isn't it? And I think like we des- frankly we deserve better, you know. And it's not held last couple of years with Emma Cross City. They've been doing well, haven't they? And it, it were pain for a long time when they were flying in Premier League. Honestly, Martin, it were painful. Uh, you know, but I think normal service has been resumed a bit now, hasn't it? You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So hopefully they're going to be crap. I think I think we'll get it together. I do think we'll go up pre- predominantly because I think that with as teams too good, with uh, the, some of the players we've got yeah. are great. Just I, more I, needs to pull it together. Yeah, my worry, my only worry before we move on to music is that. Um, I'm not sure. I think Darren Moore appeared to want to be everybody's mate. And I'm a bit suspicious. It's a bit like the only Gunners Solskjaer theory. It didn't stop you being a good manager. But I think, I fear that in today's environment, players can play on that shit a bit. And I think, you know, can he give them a kick up the arse is the question I I would ask. Yeah. And if so, will it work? I heard him on radio, but he sort of were talking in cliches a bit. What worries me on, on a specific level is that as, as good as Barry Bannon is, and he's obviously our best player, everything goes through him. Yeah. You think like Steven Gerrard when he came to end at Liverpool, yeah. they became predictable because everything's going through yeah. one guy. And I think sometimes think, do we need other options in oh, a creative definitely. sense? But definitely. Anyway, yeah. moving on to music. Firstly, I'm a fan of Reverend and the Makers. I have to tell oh, you that. Thank you very much. Um, and Obviously, you are not afraid to incorporate your politics into into um, your music as well, which I've got a lot of time for. I think "Hard Time for Dreamers" is a just a fantastic song. Oh, lyrics. thank you, mate. Um, and but you know, you you the stuff you do, I love so much because it's it's both kind of indie, I suppose you'd call it, but it's really pop music at, at, at the very highest level. I can see, you know, I can see through the the fucking surface bombast and see what's underneath it, and and I uh, I, I, I just I, I just love your stuff. I think it's uh... thank oh, mate, thank you so much, man. I think um, someone said to me we had we had a guy who, who was very influential in helping forge our early sound. A guy called Alan Smythe, who you may I don't yeah, know yeah yeah Alan. he ran uh, Two Fly, did he? No, no, yeah, yeah. It, it, he kind of came from, I guess more like the era that you started in. So like the late 70s, early 80s, he were a big fan of yourselves and, and cabs and all them bands. And he were into all that thing, right? And loves pop music and left it, all that stuff. And he helped me form the Reverend's early sound in the in the Two Fly in the studio, right? And someone once said, in, and the only one time anybody's ever got this right is... is there's the lyrical thing that I do, which is like Alex to a degree, like Jarvis to yeah. a degree, like Hawley to a degree. But then the music has got like a synthesizer pop electro yes. thing, which yeah. is more in keeping with your bands yeah. and yeah. that other tre- Sheffield tradition. To me, we've a bit of the f- a fusion of them two traditions, right? Yeah. And everybody always missed it because they, they see the sort of bit of an attitude, the the electronic thing, and they think of Manchester. And yeah. it's not that. It, it's a Sheffield thing. So, like, our, our 
first album particularly there's loads of synths more way more synths than there are guitars right right um and i think people miss that they miss maybe it's because of my attitude a bit because i'm sort of quite in your face or whatever it is and i'm, I'm not sort of you're a big singing figure. in a way you're a big I'm, figure that's what i'd say yeah yeah i'm not maybe not singing in the way that sort of glenn or philip or jarvis yeah. would or Alex does. I'm not. Maybe I'm. But but they, they miss the fact that there's the other Sheffield tradition, and I have to remind people. I say, look, electric electronic music in Britain started here. I live really near Salt Lane, yeah. right, where I believe a lot of it kind of. That was a lot third, of guys. My first gig was Salt Lane Art College. Yeah. Right. So I know I know there's that connection and all that. And, it does bug me sometimes when people go, oh, yeah, Manchester, and they'll talk about Happy Mondays. And yeah, I like that music. I'm not going to pretend I don't. I do like, I think, retrospectively looking back, the Mondays actually were a lot more futuristic sounding than the Stone Roses, who yeah. were a, a retro thing, right? But it doesn't it does annoy me that people miss that that kind of electronic Sheffield tradition. They, they sort of think Manchester in, invented that with the Hacienda journalists, uh, young yeah. people. Yeah, and I'm great. like, no, you know, we we have, we've had this for a long time, and and latterly we had bleep music and all that stuff, and that scene and, and like... records and all that stuff. I mean, I've just I, I did an interview with Rasheen Murphy, who I am in love with. She's great, man. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I'm going to go and see her uh, on Sunday night in Brixton, and um, you know, her and her uh, and DJ Para and. Fucking, they're so good, aren't they? But it, yeah. it's got that Sheffield thing embedded into it as well, you know. Yeah, it's yeah. really it's, interesting. It's... So, let, the question I've got for you is: What is it? What is this Sheffield vibe? I mean, you've kind of articulated a synthesis of uh, electronics and guitars and indie and and a kind of fuck you attitude and 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 a have a go thing. But but I, I, going one level deeper than that. It's in the songwriting as well, isn't it? If you took the, he took all the art. There's all, a, there's a, there's a. I think there's like a humour, right? So obviously you can hear it. Jarvis is the best example. He's listening to Jarvis's lyrics. They're funny, aren't they? I think there's a. The, firstly, there's a humour to Sheffield that I think we don't take ourselves quite as seriously as other cities. Yeah. And I think secondly, we're not quite as fancied as Liverpool and Manchester. We don't sing about ourselves in the same way, right? So we're not. There's not like I don't I don't drive around the city and see endless pictures of yourself and Philip and Jarvis and Alex. You, you don't see that in Sheffield. Whereas you go to Manchester, you would see these people's fit literally see their faces on walls, right? So that there's so I think we're not hamstrung by our own leg like our own history, if you understand what I mean. I think I think which enables all he's got this thing. He reckons it he says it relates to little nesters when I love it to be true. You share a forge, so you would share a venue, the Washington yeah. or, or I don't know, whatever it would have been, muckied up back in the day, great, wherever you yeah. limit, wherever you, right? And he says, but equally, he says, there's this freedom in Sheffield that it's not, I ever had this sort of thing where you have to do, I'll give you an example, Bring Me the Horizon, metal band, they're playing in arenas before I even knew, know who they are. Yeah. And I consider myself engaged in yeah. music, right? And, and you, you get all these, you know the tribe. The, the, they call it the tribes, don't they? Right? Yes. The, the mods, rockers, new romantics, whatever it is, and people moan about the the death of the tribe. I think in Sheffield, the tribes still exist a little bit. 
there's still a there's still like distinct yes. little things that like and therefore I think you can sort of develop and become part of a little community and a culture all of your own. Uh where whereas I think you go to other cities and it feels like and part of me wonders whether this is due to the physical geography of it. <clears throat> like you're in little valleys, aren't you? You're in like little sort of e- little mini ecosystems where you sort of remove from each other. And I, I, other cities don't feel like that. They feel a little bit more flattened and a bit more homogenous in a way. Yeah, yeah and I, I, like I, I think this city continues to 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 innovate and to do great stuff, you know, and it, it's it's a great place. I love it. I do. I think we're very fortunate to come from where we come from. I agree completely. Um, you've been to Frankfurt, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's, is it there? I always get mixed up between there and Stuttgart. Anyway, one of those is, reminds me a bit of Sheffield. It's all hills and stuff. And it definitely, definitely affects the, the, the way that people relate within a city because you've constantly got changing views of the city. Yeah, well, okay. you know, you're in central London. I mean, I'm I'm at high vantage point here, which is great. And likewise, I was you know, on Primrose Hill. But mostly, you can't see anything but fucking streets and traffic and people. And that, that and it's it's got to change in a drip feed kind of way the way that you view things. I mean, when I went up to interview Richard Hawley, and you know, in his little club that he has right next to his house, yeah, and I'm going, this is him, you know. Yeah. It's quite yeah. clear this is a physical embodiment of not just where yeah. he wants to go, but it's made him who he is. And he's got that beautiful view and he's got... A, it's he's, great, man. Oh, fucking great. I love all it's, it's, uh, the, the other The other thing it's worth noting as well <clears throat> is a lot of the elder states people of Sheffield Music have, have always been very encouraging to me. Yourself, Richard, um, Richard H. Kirk, have always shown me have showed me great affection and, and warmth. And I think that's a thing because I look at other cities and, and yeah, people leave the city. That's always going to happen, right? People are always going to go to London, go to America, but but people return and they show love to younger people coming through. And I think I've tried to do that in turn with younger artists coming through because I think like, don't be wrong, it's the dickheads, the dickheads, aren't they? But, like, yeah. b- by and large, if there's a young artist coming through, I've tried to show them love, and I think, like, that's good about Sheffield as well, is it's not sort of... Um, doesn't feel kind of competitive in that sense. Yeah. I think that's why the scene that bore Revan the Makers and, and Arctic Monkeys, obviously a lot of them bands have now split up, but we had the Long Blondes, we had the Harrisons, Little Man Tate, Bromwich Jacket, Milburn. I could go on and on and on, right? A lot of that. Alan Smythe obviously is responsible for a lot of this, but like, it's it was a, it wasn't competitive in that sense. It weren't like we were all trying to outdo each other or do it. It felt like a sort of team effort, and and we've had two waves of that, I guess, haven't we? Obviously, there's the scene that you guys came from, and I guess the scene that we we came from and there are people come through uh, they pulled one part of their own own little thing I guess <clears throat> maybe them and the long pigs a bit um, but I think coming through as part of a scene yeah is, is, a, is, a, is, is important it's not, yeah it's, it, be, it's not it's not a bedroom problem. thing is it you know it's it's like no. you are on a daily basis interacting with other people and that shapes who you are I think um, that's important yeah, to know and you get, you get you get like a, a sort of 
uh, how can I put it, like a, a positive competition. Whereas I would I would hear a song by Long Blondes, say Giddy Stratospheres by Long Blondes. I would I remember hearing that song and thinking, fucking hell, I need to up my game. That's great. <laughs> like that's fucking and then I would hear Mardi Bum by Arctic Monkeys, or I'd hear like, you know, Woolly Bridge by by Bromage Jacket. I'm thinking, bloody hell, that when he does that in that middle eight's great. We should, you know, and you you you're trying to like not in a in a, in a dickhead way, but you're trying to like be as good as you possibly can, and I think that that's that's great, you know. And I I hope that'll happen again in Sheffield. I, I believe it will because I think every so often London remembers that we exist. Yeah, right yeah, and... yeah. Well, I'm always I'm always evangelising about my hometown, and um, I'm on the Ivers Academy board, and uh, and I think that a lot of people in London really think Sheffield's cool. I get that impression I get. And um, uh, one thing I, I need to mention to you before I forget is if I ever do another BEF album, I want you to be on it uh, as a guest. I'd be honoured, mate. I'd uh, be honoured, mate. Uh, so be, uh, just have a thought, because I'll bump into you inevitably in the coming months, because um, I am kind of thinking about it. Um, if there was a cover version, oh. if there was a cover version that you'd like to do. Oh, wow. And right, we could okay. do it in an electronic... Oh, it could do anything in electronic fashion. It didn't have to be. It could be, you know, fucking some velvet morning. I don't care. You know, it could be anything you want. Yeah, okay. Let me, uh, let me, let me have give a it think some, about it. To, it. You don't have to. Tell it needs me to be that. something that sounds, uh, I guess, like that sounds really wrong in a. In yeah, a, something that's unexpected. Know. That's another. Yeah, thing. That's another Sheffield thing, right? That contrarianism in a positive way. I think it's part of it. Uh, yeah. Well, listen. I mean, I mean, I had. You're talking about being contrary. I got offered loads of money to basically be like dire Arctic monkeys, right? To make a very similar record <laughs> to them. And I'm like, I, I'm, I don't want to do it, right? And then first album comes out, it's really successful. And, and the logical thing then to do would be to write exactly the same record again, right? And I went and did like a sort of strung out, acoustic -y, political <laughs> thing. And, 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 I was and people hate it. Pissed everyone off, right? <laughs> and I think I think that's what I've always loved. And I, me, I think that's why you end up having a career rather than being sort exactly. of like a. Exactly. Listen, take how many the risk years while take you the my the way I explain it is, and I don't think it's because I'm from Sheffield. It might just be the person I am or the person you are. Or I th my view on it is when you have a, a moment of a point of opportunity. The resources and somebody supporting you from, you know, a financial point of view, record company or whatever. That's when you have to be the most daring. It's not. It's not the point where, oh, somebody's bought me, and so therefore I, I am duty bound to make them as much money as possible. Mm -hmm. It's the opposite yeah. for me. I go, if you believe in me as an artist, trust me. It's funny, it's really funny you should say that. I've just signed a new record deal and the record label bought me out of my old contracts, right? Right. And they're going to put, you know, financially they've got a bit of muscle, they're going to put some money into it. And me, I'm thinking, right, so you probably weren't going to want me to make heavyweight champion in the world again, yeah, yeah. which I've never tried to do, right? This is the most different thing I've ever done. It couldn't be further away from that, right? And maybe they're going to be horrified that I've made another, like, left turn and done something... <laughs> But you're right. You're, listen, you, I, this is what makes you a, you a, you an artist. And exactly. I, I look at there are bands. Let's let's have it right. There are bands who are probably 
were, at the time, way bigger than Revenue of the Makers. Perhaps they were way bigger than Evan 17, but they have no career. And the, me, I think the reason they have no career is there's no artistry to it. They're yeah. not trying to, yeah. they're not trying to sort of be an artist and make money on this as well. If you can make money as well, town. But I think like I'm 15, 16 years in now. I mean, I'm Martin, how long have you been going? 40 years. Listen, I look at that, I look at Ollie, I look at you, and I think that's who I want to be. All right, I'm not going to be number one. Yeah, no, right. Of course, of course. I thought but you I'm might be. be you never know. Get a get a fucking tune on a big film or or a big TV series. You might well be. You never know. It's, it, it's just that thing. Is I look at you and I look at Richard and I think they're playing gigs, they're making records, they're existing, they're making it pay, they're earning a living out of it, and that fundamentally they're enjoying it. And they're going to end up getting to retirement age, having not having a proper job for a God knows how long. And I think that's that's winning. That's winning. That's what I want. You know. <laughs> so long may it continue. Yeah, mate. exactly, exactly. So, um, so you played Glastonbury, didn't you? That must have been fun. That was an, a big early early victory for us. Yeah, we played on the on the second stage, I think, early doors, and like. That was the first time we'd ever played to a big crowd, right? You know, like, we'd obviously done a thousand. We'd supported Arctic Monkeys at a couple of gigs yeah, yeah. when they were... But we'd not played to... There were thousands of people there then. You know, you walk out and you're like, oh, my God. Like, it's what you... You know when you, you fantasise about being in a band or whatever? Yeah, it's yeah, that, yeah. right? And, and obviously nowadays, like yourselves, we do festivals and that's yeah. become... A, a bit more of a regular thing, but the, you remember the first, don't you? The first of the thing that stick in your mind, right? And that that first time, oh my god, I was. I remember me like my leg were like sort of shaking a bit. You know, you get like the shakes, and like just so nervous, you know, like so nervous. And, and um, yeah, go on. I, no, I was just gonna, I was just going to say um, we'd never played Glastonbury. Glenn's Glenn uh, went on as a guest for Larue, uh, which was nice for him. But I've never played Glastonbury. But um, we did play this uh, gay pride event in London at uh, Battersea Park, and there were 300,000 people there. Jesus Christ. And it was like the whole of Battersea Park, like a football crowd, like the cop, right, as it was. Oh, my God. As far as the eye could see, about about 200 yards wide. It was like, oh my. fucking hell. And, and it's I, it's odd. I can it's never... hard to like believe believe it's it's like a sort of uh, you can't believe it's happening to you almost by the time you get to that. That's right, can you? you know, That's right. I mean, we've been we've been lucky enough um, over years, and this is the thing I'm, I feel probably the most proud of is other musicians. I've obviously just said about yourself and Richard, uh, but people further afield, the Red Hot Chili Peppers, Noel Gallagher. Various other people, Oasis, obviously, like uh, Ian Brown, have asked us to support them at big shows, right? And and to me, you're obviously playing to their crowd. They're not there to see us, yeah, they're there to see them. But to have, like, um, other musicians give you that nod of approval and to, to give you that opportunity, I think that's... that. that I feel blown away by that. And even now, like, you know, I think, whoa, I did that. You know, we played Wembley. We sported Oasis at Wembley, right? It's and we sported Chili Peppers at uh, Nebworth. Oh, wow. You know? I love Chili Peppers. The fucking Which is, you know, like, like, I mean, even to come to know people like yourself and, and Flea, you know, everyone else, like people are legends in the game, right? 
and uh, to, to know him in, in, in first place is mad, but then for him to say, I like your group, <laughs> listen, that's to me, you, you can give me two million pounds tomorrow. That's having that is worth way more to me and always will be because it's you know, when you're at school and, and like big kids, you're in yeah, year yeah. seven, and yeah. year 11, year 11, I'll say to you, you're all right, you kid. Oh, <laughs> feel a million. You feel amazing, don't you? you that's, that's what it you remind like. me of Glenn's dad. Oh, it's like when he goes, Oh, it's fantastic. Oh, Martin, that gig is fantastic. You know, he's like, yeah. He's 90 and he's full of enthusiasm. He comes to all our gigs. Fucking hell. Anyway, oh, brilliant. I know it's brilliant. Um, right, a couple of things because we're time, Tempest Fugit. Um, I love your house gigs idea, I think it's inspired. Uh, was that your original yeah. idea, or, or did he copy that? Yeah. So when we were first starting, the Libertines who become, I went on to kind of become quite good friends with. Uh, they were doing these things where they did play gigs on the tube and in people's flat. And, and Carl subsequently said to me, he says we didn't read. He says you know we did it two or three times. Okay. He said, but his mates work for enemy, right? So they'd make it into a thing, and then I thought that's cool, you know, and then. Glenn, um, Glenn Tilbrook, is it, from Squeeze? Yeah, yeah. I, want, I used to work at Boardwalk on bar before I started and we'd see all these amazing bands, you know, Cooper Clark we'd saw in the fall and all these. And Glenn Tilbrook played and he went outside with his guitar after the gig and all the fans followed him outside and I thought, that's great. So I don't want to lay claim to some sort of great feat of originality, but I always thought having that sort of physical proximity to your fans it's a special thing and so after our gigs I go outside with my guitar take the fans out it cost me thousands of pounds in lost merchandise sales <laughs> right and then I go around people's houses doing my gigs and and, it, and it's I would like to think it's part of the reason that the band's been able to have a career when other people from our little kind of turn of the century indie scene have, have gone is because because when you do I hope to think anyway when you do things like that, it, it stays in people's hearts, doesn't it? Yes, of course it is. It's, um, it's the generosity of spirit which creates that emotional glue with your fans. Uh, and yeah. you're, I bet, I mean, I, you know, to be honest, I need to come and see one of your gigs since I've never been to one. But I, oh, I, well, want, listen, I, want mind, I want mind betting that you have a good banter with the crowd and stuff. And we, we try to do the same thing, you know. You know, you know what, honestly, is I used to sort of um, rant politically between songs and then <laughs> we did one gig where we were tight for time and I just didn't say anything. I just let the music do the talking and, and all I did was encourage the fans to bounce and then it, it was like a sort of, whoa. And so I don't do the politics thing live. I, I, I give people a party and I think if they go yeah. away and listen to the songs, then they'll hear the politics. Yeah, yeah or exactly. exactly. So I don't, I don't bash on it. Um, we make it a party and, 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 you know, listen, live has been where we've managed to sort of arrest the slide of the band and we've started to put numbers on again, right? The, 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 we started to do better and as our albums are going higher in charts and we're doing better with his live concerts. And right. It's amazing, right? We're 15, 16 years in and it feels like fresh, which is exciting. And I think I love it. And uh, with, regards to the, with regards to the house gigs, like... Targets. Obviously, we play gigs, we play festivals, but you're talking about, let's say, best case scenario, you're talking 30, 40 days out of year. Rest of the time, I'm bored, right? So it just gives me something to do. On a, on a, it's a purely basic level. It gives me something to do, right? And I think, like, some of them are wild because you never know what you're going to get. So, like, 
one house I turned up, it were in, in Lake District. Me and my mates borrowed this camper van. We'd gone round, like, doing all these house gigs. We ended up at this place called Kells in Whitehaven. Sort of place where they play rugby on concrete. Oh, I know Whitehaven very well. I did a big project right. up, uh, up that neck of the woods, yeah. Workington, that's a tough town, fuck me. Woo. Right, so my dad's, my, dad, my dad's from Workington. They call Whitehaven jam eaters. I goes in this house. I swear to God, Martin, there must have been 500 people in this terraced house. They're swinging a lamp, they're swinging up at light shade. A kid went through a window, coppers turned up. So I jumped in, man, I said, I've got to go. Jumped in, man. We goes down to Ulverston, which is different. In ta- this is the same night. I'm in Ulverston. They give me home-baked olive bread and, like, locally crafted beer. And I'm like, fuck it out. So you never know, you never know whose house you're walking into. I right? loved that. That would make it, you know, it, uh, to be honest, it would make a great uh, kind of handheld TV documentary. That's shit. Yeah, I, to, I, I have actually. We, my mate did film a lot of it, so maybe I could. Uh, I mean, nobody would believe it. I mean, you're describing it now, and I can completely see it in my head. But I think people, if they saw it literally on the telly, would go, "That's fucking insane." You know. <laughs> anyway, um, the other thing you do is club nights, isn't it? And um, and and you got the Reverend Sound System. Is that right? Mm. Is it actually a yeah. sound system, or is that the name? We used to do mobile things, so we'd take it certain places. We used to do them in houses, and we'd put them in, like, at one bit we were doing them in, like, little... Because there's a great thing up here called Cabal, right, which is a sort of semi-secret rave thing which gave rise to Toddler T, and right. it's got all people like Winnie Hazel and all that sort of old yeah. war Ford Bastards yeah. crew in there. And so I used to go to that, and I always loved that. So we, we did. We used to do, like, raves and stuff like that, and then we I used to do a regular night at the plug for a while, um, but truth be said, I've not done it for for a while, and and the reason for that, Martin, is because I'm an old bastard. You're old. Um, Look at you me, yeah, fucking sixty five, mate. I'm still <laughs> You're DJ. not sixty five. I am. You look well. You look Thank well, you. man. Thank you. You know, no, I, I, it's something that I have, and I periodically I go back and do stuff with it. Um, and I guess, like like yourself, you've got multiple sort of yeah, yeah, yeah. you know things you can, you can be having seventeen one minute, then you be yeah, you can yeah. sort of you, it gives you like a fluidity to do other things yeah. sometimes, right? Yeah, and I, it's just one of them things. And I, I I did I've released some music under that name. We called ourselves RSS for a while, and we did right. this. Uh, Johnny Nelson, the boxer, his nephew Marcus is a good friend of mine. We went to school together. Call him Matic Mouth. Um, and so he and I did a thing together under that sort of sound system name. Um, and yeah, maybe I'll go back to it at some point. It's just, that's what I mean is, I don't go to nightclubs. No, no, no. Well, anymore, right? Which I've got two kids, I just don't. And, it, yeah. and it, at that point, I'm thinking, do I really understand that culture so much? Maybe not. Yeah, but you're, um, yeah, it's incumbent on you to, to educate people. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's incumbent on on me to educate myself. I think you know, because music. I think there's a tendency when you get old to think music as as stalled. You know, musical innovation has it stalled, has. and it has. But it, it, I think it has in terms of being in the media and in, on the radio. But if you look for it, it's there, right? Yeah. Well, I I, uh, I, I teach I, I teach a master's course in commercial music, songwriting and, and production. And I, and I can honestly say that there's just as much talent out there, but there are a bit, a lot of, a lot of that kind of age group are, they're not, they're, they're not being fed the right information. You know what yeah. I mean? They rely yeah. on this knowledge that they can research anything they want. 
through Spotify, but they're not really doing it unless they're put in that position. Because you've got, you know, the the library at Alexandria equivalent of music on your laptop or your phone at all points. So it's like, yeah. well, actually, yeah. I'm only just going to listen to this then, you know, because I yeah. can't cope with it. Yeah. So yeah. that's interesting as well. Right, we're getting close to the end, unfortunately, because we could talk for hours, I'm sure. Um, right, so I do this thing where, you, you know, it's like a smash, it's what, what your favourite things thing. And I've asked everyone, probably make a book out of it eventually. And, um, that's it. Anyway, what's your favourite film? My favourite film is either Kez or Rocky Two, and I wouldn't like to pick between them. Okay. Uh, favourite TV show, past, present, box set, anything you want? The Sopranos, <laughs> which I think is is a meditation on family. I think people think it's a mob thing, right? And it is a mob thing, but it's about family, and I've been rewatching it recently. It's, it's between that and The Wire, but I'm going to go Sopranos. Right. With a, with a very notable mention for Our Friends in the North, which I think is the best British TV show ever made. Is it? Okay. Uh, book? Book. I'm really into a guy, a Jamaican author, called um, Marlon James, and he wrote a book uh, called A Brief History of Seven Killings, which is nominally about the attempt on Bob Marley's life, but isn't really about that. It's about Jamaica, and it's oh, sublime. Is Give it, it a read, man. Really good. He writes. He writes a little bit like Faulkner. You know, if Faulkner right. was a Jamaican, it's it's that. You know, it's yeah, it's awesome. The great thing about these podcasts and all these seemingly daft questions is people are really grateful for being given guidance on what to go and you know the rabbit holes to go down. And uh, so, th yeah. thanks for all this. Um, which is your favourite other artist or composer? Oh God, Jesus! Um, oh, it's tough. Oh. It's meant to be. I might go for Bob Marley, and the reason I'll go for that is is that Kevin McDonald made this made this point in his documentary about Bob. Um, wherever I've been in the world, and I've, I've like yourself been in lots of very strange and wonderful countries. Um, wherever you go in the world, they always play Bob Marley music, and he speaks to the he speaks to the dispossessed in a yeah. way that I don't think hardly anyone does, and it's I don't know what it is about him that. But it, and it, on a very simple thing, you put his music on, you feel a bit happier. Yeah. So I'm going to go for yeah. pop. I mean, I think the same about the genre of hip-hop. Uh, I mean, I've been all over the place. You know, you introduced me to Ruth Daniel in Place of War and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Thanks to you. Um, plug for In Place of War there. And, uh, you know, what I've realised going to all these different disadvantaged places is that the lingua franca of of uh, of of the you know the kind of human family expression is hip hop really around because I think to I think going back to that thing what you were saying about where we started this conversation about musicians or aren't musicians anyone can rap my little lad raps now he like he's six right <laughs> like middle middle class kid from Sheffield but he, he he'll he'll I'll catch him rapping and it's a it's a quick way of expression that yeah. I think. You know, and yeah, I, I think that's I think that's wonderful. I do. I think it's great, and, yeah. and long may it continue. Yeah, exactly. I mean, actually, I have to uh, add to that. It doesn't really matter if you're listening to this and you go hip hop. I don't really like hip hop. It's about the mode of expression, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So really, if you think about the kind of stream of consciousness lyrics of a lot of great songwriters, you could easily put that into a rap framework. You know, 
Uh, well, I, he, I, I always listen to, I always think of Subterranean Homesick Blues by Bob Dylan, yeah, right? But, 1966-ish, yeah. is it that? Exactly. It's a rap tune. Exactly. It's a rap tune, really. Uh, Bob Dylan, uh, even Paul Simon, people like that, you yeah. know? Anyway, yeah, yeah. Um, favourite... Now, this is an interesting one because, um, uh, you know, they know you as in kind of indie rock with electronic flavour. But anyway, uh, uh, artist. Uh, who are your... Fa- Do you have any favourite electronic artists? I mean, obviously, was, always, always loved the work of uh, Martin Ware. Oh, yeah, that, there you go. Heaven 17. The um, most, yeah. Yeah, favourite electronic artist. I really love Robert Del Narge's Massive Attack stuff. I, I oh, think me too. Some of, the, some, of, some of the most intelligent music ever ever made, actually. I think just just wonderful. Um, I've got a real kind of, uh, in, in later years, a real thing for like early electronic pioneers in because we're fr- I'm from here and I'm obviously group, we all listening to all you lot. I love every country seems to have like an early electronic yeah. pioneer. So I, I love stuff like Chiranjit Singh's Ten Ragas to a Disco Beat or William Onyebo. Uh, William yeah, Onyebo. I, I was actually part of his uh, documentary. I, 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 no way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, lo- I'm, so, I never got to meet him or anything after he died, you know, obviously. But you know, like, all them photos of his studio with all the wires over it. Oh, it's fucking lovely. Amazing, man. So, yeah, I've, I've been getting into a lot of that stuff recently, like finding out who were the first people to have synthesizers yeah. in these countries, right? Exactly. And, and... That's good. There's a, again, there's a documentary in that. That might be worth well, thinking about, actually. I think you're you're the you're the man to you're the man to. I mean, maybe you're maybe, the, you're... maybe we could tap into that vast resource of fucking BBC expenses, like every fucking comedian tries to, right? Go, yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I've always liked going to uh, Fiji, so we're going to go there. You know, maybe we could <laughs> just get well, a I mean, the place that... we want to visit. <laughs> I saw that great Synth Britannia thing, right? Where oh, yeah. like they keep all the band, yeah. All of all of the bands, all of like Throbbing Gristle and Depeche one, it weren't they were just like Sheffield, Sheffield, <laughs> Cabs, Human League, Evan Seventeen, Sheffield. And that me, like not not that it were all to do with me, but I'm, I'm I felt so proud after watching that. Yeah. I thought, whoa, these are these are my pals, these are people I know, this is amazing. Th- there's a thing internationally, right? There's a thing yeah. internationally there where where you know there must be a guy or a band or a girl or someone in every in every country who was someone have to be the first, right? It would be great. I'll, 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 I'd watch it anyway. I think that's a really good idea for a TV programme. Me and you going around the world, having a laugh. Let's go. Should we do it? I'm going to put it. I'm going to find somebody at the BBC to pitch it to. Or let's or, do it, man. Or or or, or, uh, or Channel Four or something. I think you'd be let's good. Just, why don't we drive? Why don't we drive it, Martin? We'll I don't. Drive I don't drive, so you'd be doing a lot right, of you'll, driving. You'll get. You'll get my part, then I'll right. drive it. I'll <laughs> right. That'd be funny, wouldn't it? Maybe <laughs> we like uh, airy, airy bikers for airy for bikers. Yeah. Um, oh. oh, anyway. Um, okay, getting close to the close to the end now. So, favorite visual artist or, or conceptual artist? Really like Mondrian. Um, yeah. I just love that sort of, you know, that sort of, it's, it's, my missus, like, she hates it. She hates it. She considers it to be, like, really sort of masculine and... and really? Like she, she, yeah, like, she likes things like William Morris. You know, like, she's into oh, sort yeah, of... arts and crafts and all that, yeah. Arty art, right? And I just, I just love 
fuckery stuff. I just love people who who, who do things that are sort of make you go like that a bit. So yeah, anything anything in that world really. I love Monvin and anything were up to me, I'd, I'd have a lot more of that kind of vibe. Um, notable shout for Laura's uncle, David Piddock, actually, who, who is a very successful artist, and he's given us one of his one of his paintings. He does sort of uh, weird abstract stuff. Um, but listen, Sheffield's great for artists. There's a lot. Of, there's a lot of great artists. We're in a, a sort of bit of a cultural boom at the minute in Sheffield. There's a right. real kind of great scene up here at the minute for art and stuff. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna go for I'm gonna go for Mondrian. Great, perfect. Okay, uh, favorite Wednesday game. I want to say the two-one against the Blades uh, at Wembley '93 because obviously yeah. we smashed them and the like forevermore. That was the biggest game in Sheffield history, and we done them. So there's that. But the one that really sticks in me is the one that they call the Waddle game, and I think it was five-one against yeah. West Ham. Were you, were you well, there? He, he tore, yeah, I was there. Yeah, the, he tore uh, what they call him a new arsehole, didn't he? Uh, the David Burrows, weren't it? <laughs> That's yeah. it yeah. He, yeah, he was never the same person again. <laughs> They, they didn't even take him off, I don't think, because it was like it was like, as they say, he had twisted blood after that, didn't he? Yeah, there's a there's a great story about Chris Waddle. After after he finished playing, he started playing Sunday League in Sheffield, and it like obviously all these young lads had played against him who couldn't believe they were playing against such yeah. a legend, right? And he'd turn them one way, turn them another way, put them on their arse twice, and then cross it yeah. in. And then apparently Waddle used to come up to these lads after, and he'd whisper in their ear. Don't worry, kid. Paolo Maldini fell for that as well. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just... Listen, that's what I want my heroes to say. Stuff oh, like that, that's you brilliant, know what I mean? brilliant. And finally, uh, what's your favourite synth? Oh, Now then. Now then. I'm going to go for... Um, little Fatty Moog. Just because I think, like... In fact, no, I'm not. I'm going to go for a 101. Oh, because, really? Okay. Yeah, because I think that, you know, the the noise you hear on the, yeah. on the start of Heavyweight Champion, yeah. that's that's a 101, I believe. And it features heavily on on sort of the first Rev album. Um, but I mean, more of a question for my wife, really. She's more she's more of a synth player than me. Um I've got a lot of love for, for a Farfisa as well. I like, oh, yeah. I like that. I like all that. You know, but... but I'll go 101 just because for, for sort of selfish personal reasons that it's been used a lot on my records yeah, and yeah. continues to be a sort of family favourite, really. Brilliant. Well, what can I say? John, it's been a pleasure as always. I mean, I've loved been... I've loved chatting to you, man. It's been great. Let's have a pint when you're, oh, when you're up next to the yeah, match. We, we um, you know, I, I miss Sheffield quite a lot, you know, and I've lived in London for nearly, 30, well, 35 years. But it's, you know, I, I'm, what I miss is that thing of like, I'd wake up on a day like this and for once I'm not going to do. And I'd probably just give you a ring and go, oh, come on, let's go down the yeah. in Abbeydale or whatever it is. And have a, yeah. You know, it's not like that in London. It's not quite like that in London. I miss that. Well, anyway. listen, you're always welcome, mate. There's always a uh, always a brew on for you, pal. Well, let's. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping to get to a Wednesday game soon, but I'm performing every fucking weekend. Actually, I mean, I, know Le- I mean Leeds tomorrow. Let's rock. So, um, yeah, I'm missing the home game tomorrow as well. Anyway, yeah, I'm, I've, I've uh, unfortunately loads of rude people seem to be getting married on when there's Wednesday <laughs> home game. Like, three weddings. I'm missing Oxford match. I had to. 
said to Laura, does your cousin know that Wednesday you're playing Oxford? <laughs> you know. It's all right. You're all right with, with your phone nowadays. You can listen to the commentary secret. Well, this is it. This is all it, right, man. Brilliant. Love you. God and bless you. Take very... care, man. All right, man. Bye. Bye-bye. John, we covered quite a lot of ground there, I think. He's a fascinating dude, I think. Um, got a lot of depth to the work that he does. As I mentioned before, he thinks like an artist. And he's constantly looking at ways of getting his message across in an authentic way. Again, it's that word authenticity. I keep mentioning all these podcasts, but it's very important, I think. Um, and... I've got a feeling that he's going to be, and, the, and, and all the artistic enterprises that he's involved with are going to be around for a very long time. Um, he's already been around for 20 years, more or less. I think he'll be around as long as I've been around, which is like another 20 years. Um, and he'll still be doing stuff and people will still be loving it. And I love the idea we came up with during the podcast. Like <laughs> The hairy biker's idea for for going to different countries and and finding the uh, it's a bit like a cross between who do you think you are and uh, hairy bikers I suppose except we won't be on bikes but um, trying to kind of find out the impact of maybe electronic music on different countries at different times in the past so everybody thinks it's all European and. An American, and it's absolutely not. You know, when I've done some stuff in South America where, you know, electronic music is, is, is really quite a big deal there. And in, in Mexico, in Mesoamerica, um, and of course there were people like William Onyabor in Africa, a lot of stuff in, in, uh, in South Africa as well. Um, and Indian stuff and, you know, going further east in the east of Russia. Also, it's been happening in little pockets around the world and it would be a fascinating uh, documentary, I think. Um, I mean, I might pitch it to the BBC or BBC or, or Radio 4. Not Radio 4. don't want to do a radio show. Uh, yeah, I might pitch it to um, Channel 4, I meant. And... So, how is everybody keeping? The weather has been quite nice recently, so that's cheering everyone up. Um, yeah, things are, things are improving. We're doing quite a lot of live shows. Still recovering from the reproduction and travelogue shows we did, which were bloody, frankly, amazing. Um, and I'd love to, if we could find a way to do it, to put that show on somewhere else. We've done all the hard work now with all the assets and everything all the visual assets and, and and stuff, we could restage it anyway. So if anybody's got any ideas where we could put that show on, if they can afford to pay for it to be shown, then um, we're all ears, I suppose. Big warm welcome to our new sponsors, SJM Concerts, Simon Moran. They are one of Britain's leading promoters. They also promote our, our tours generally. They represent people like... Uh, Take that, Spice Girls, Foo Fighters, Coldplay, Stormzy, Muse, Robbie Williams, Peter Kay, Billie Eilish, 
Adele, The Killers, Arctic Monkeys, Little Mix, amongst many others. Um, we are thrilled to be associated with them and I can't think of a better sponsor for us. So thank you very much for your help in keeping this podcast going. Time for some more emails. Malcolm Morton, guest suggestions. In case I was running out of ideas. Oh, he said Peter Hook had mean stitches. Yeah, me too. Uh, Adamant. I know Adam really well, actually. That's not a terrible idea. Joel Wobble. Really like Joel Wobble. Claudia Brooken. She's already said yes, but she wants to combine it with something she's promoting later this year. Trevor Horn. I've approached him uh, via several people, but I haven't heard anything back. Holly Johnson. I love Holly. I'd love him to do it. Bill Nelson, uh, a lot of people have suggested that. Brian Eno, um, I'm in discussions with him, but he's, hard, he's a hard man to pin down. Carl Bartos, again, I'm on the trail, and Mark Armand. I said no, because he's not doing that sort of thing for now, uh, but he's a very good friend of mine. Um, Christopher Aman, thanks for the podcast. Man, I love listening to Hooky. Can you tell me what was the song you played as Hooky wandered off to the hairdresser? Well, um, a lot of the stuff, because I don't have time to do it, unfortunately, I'm not in the studio a lot of the time, um, is done by my engineer and um, musician in his own right, Charles Stook. Um, Hope you're all well. Uh, don't forget to email me on electronicallymartin at gmail.com if you've got any ideas, complaints... Um, praises, grumbles, ideas for sections for the show. And, um, and also don't forget the Patreon page. If you'd like to help in a small way contributing towards these shows continuing without it bankrupting me, uh, that would be much appreciated. So that's Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash electronically hours. And uh, for the cost of a coffee or a pint each month, you can uh, have more direct contact with me uh, and uh, competitions, merchandise, etc., etc. Loads of stuff. Uh, in addition to bonus episodes, which are not available normally, and in and you will have the warm glow of knowing that you're helping to support keeping electronically yours free for everyone. So please consider it. Thank you very much. See you with a great guest next week. Bye.